And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our monthly sit-down with the athletic director for the Cornhuskers, Bill Moose. We'd like to invite you to be a part of the program as well at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. It's a rarity. You're in town. You have just been all over the globe the last couple of weeks. Well, we got lots going on. And uh, <laughs> uh, just got back from California, uh, spent a couple of days at the NCAA convention uh, in Anaheim, and uh, then on up and had a couple donor events in the Bay Area. So uh, good good work, good things happening, good vibes out there. And uh Get back, catch up on a few things at the office, and go to uh, Atlanta and Naples in Florida uh, for a couple days here at the end of the week. Just never ends. Never <laughs> stops for you. No. No two days are the same, and that's kind of nice. You had a real neat thing to be a part of at the NCAA convention because that's where Anton Stevenson, our tremendous now alumni, men's gymnast, was awarded the really prestigious NCAA Top Ten Award. That is a really big deal. It is a huge deal, and uh, we should be, and of course we are, but all Huskers should be very proud of Anton. Uh, he's he's the kind of guy that you want to marry your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, a, a fabulous individual, great athlete, uh, leader within the student athletes, uh, and very deserving. So really happy for him. That's not the last we're going to hear from Anton. He's going to he's going to make things happen the rest of his life. Whatever he chooses to do, he is in, up at UNMC now as he wants to be a doctor. He'll be incredible about that. So that was, I'm, I'm sure it was a fun and proud moment for you to be out there and part of representing the University of Nebraska with that. It's very fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you look at uh, through the years the number of conference and national honorees we've had uh now i'm not talking about on the field of competition but classroom Mm -hmm. and individual honors like anton's and all that is uh very very impressive we should all be proud of that very cool and then last month angela mercurial was named the the ncaa women's of the year so just incredible honors for our students remember there's only one woman of the year yeah and she's (laughs) it so that the both of those in the same uh, academic year, the same, the same mm-hmm. 12 months. And, uh, so yeah, really, uh, really says a lot for us and doesn't always get on the front page. I'm glad it's our lead story tonight. And, uh, we'll talk about it some more. I know as we go to all these events that we're going to, uh, the chancellor and I, and, and our, our coaches. So should be, should be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Since we last had you on, a couple of changes to the football staff for Scott Frost. One is a very familiar name, and Mike Dawson, who was on the staff two years ago, made the jump to the National Football League and was a part of a staff with the New York Giants that was relieved of duties at the end of the year. So kind of a natural for him to come back. And then a young man in Matt Lubick, who you know real well, and Scott Frost obviously knows very well, now back as the offensive coordinator. Well, I'm glad to see Mike back. Um, of course, uh, he's familiar with what we're doing. He, uh, I, I understood when he left to go to the NFL and get that pension money and those mm-hmm. things. But uh, most people that have coached in the NFL that have gone from college ranks want to get back after a while because it's a different world. And uh, he's a tremendous coach, good recruiter. 
uh, will take over our outside linebackers and and uh, really feel good about that on the defensive side. I know Scott does. And then Matt Lubick that you mentioned, uh, he and Scott were together at Oregon uh, when Mark Helfridge took over as the head coach. Of course, he moved Scott from the receivers coach to uh, the offensive coordinator, and Matt uh, slid in as the uh, receivers coach there. So they've worked well together. And Greg, we talked before we went on the show. It's so important for Scott to have somebody uh, that sees things the same way he does. Uh, whether it's right or wrong or whatever, they have to be on the same page. Uh, there, I know were some concerns by some, and Scott being one that we, we were just a little bit off kilter some, and you saw it calling the games, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a delay, uh, maybe not the right play called, picking the formations and, and this and that. It's, it's not easy to have someone that really uh, knows what's happened. I know in other coaches I've worked with, so there, there's been – same head coach, but good combos and bad combos, and usually the scoreboard reflects it. Now, uh, Matt Lubick comes from football blood. Oh, boy. Uh, Sonny Lubick, his father, uh, storied coach at Colorado State, uh, is a Butte, Montana guy, coached at uh, uh, Montana State, actually recruited John Johnson on my staff uh, back a long time ago, and uh, just a jewel of a guy, and... Um, Actually, the field and at uh, Colorado State is named after him. Matt got into coaching and uh, was actually on uh, Dennis Erickson's staff, I know, at Arizona State when my son was playing there and did a uh, marvelous job for Dennis down there. And he was at the University of Washington with Chris Peterson. So, again, when you get in, the longer you're in this business, the world condenses, and uh, you know everybody and how they how they work around through the industry and uh, end up where they are. And so, pleased to have both those guys going to make us better. We had Matt on Sports Sunday last week, and he we talked about this past year for him because he left coaching for a year, moved back to the Fort Collins area, and he just said he felt like he had to kind of rebalance his life a little bit. You've been around coaches all your life. They put in crazy hours. I think it's probably not a bad idea for everybody to have maybe a year like that in their 40s or 50s or whatever it is to recharge the batteries a little bit. Uh, You know, I'm not here to talk about me, but I left it for three years and uh, realized I missed it a lot, but uh, it it was a sabbatical. Uh, Mike Leach, who was my coach at Washington State, didn't want to be out of it, but was for four years, and he came back better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've seen this. And you, you look at um, uh, Bob Stoops. You look at Urban Meyer. Uh, just recently, Chris Peterson, all in their in early, mid-50s. Mm-hmm. Um, they're burnt out. And all the things, the challenges that are starting to bear their heads – uh, the name, image, and likeness thing, all of the transfer portal and all of that that's happening and the potential of pay-for-play. Uh, it, it, there's a whole lot of other things that, have, that are being put on the table for a head coach today and athletic directors that uh, weren't there uh, 18 months ago. It's amazing you still have hair. <laughs> Not um, much. Yeah. <laughs> A few weeks ago, we announced April 18th will be the spring game. Yep. What about tickets? Can you shed any light on that about when that might be made available for people? Because I know we'll be getting some questions about that as we turn the corner into February here. Well, the the tickets for the spring game are going to go on sale 
next Tuesday. There you for, go. For our current season ticket holders and then Wednesday to the general public. And, you know, we adjusted that last year from the year before. Yeah, you limited um, a little bit. Of, and, yeah. and I listened, and, and I listened to our fans, many of whom can't get tickets yeah. in the fall. <laughs> so their only exposure, live exposure, is spring football. And that's part of the reason, you know, we've had close to 90,000 in attendance the last uh, two years. So uh, we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to see what's going to be on our on our fall uh, football field in the fall. And and uh, so that's kind of that is exactly how we're doing it. Uh, we led the nation and I just talked about the the attendance the last two years led the nation, not wow. the Big Ten, the nation and uh uh, we're gonna. I, I'm sure we'll draw that many again this year. Incredible! It. it uh, I brag about that to my friends in the business, and they absolutely can't believe it. But you've seen it. I've yep. seen it. It's for real. It's like an eighth home game. It is. It really is. Yeah. So Tuesday for season ticket holders. Wednesday for the general public. So there you go. That that question has been out there. So you've answered that tonight. That'll make a lot of people happy and like make them thinking about spring. Yes, which is it's fine. It's been cold out here. Yeah, and they're going to tease us a little bit. We'll get a little nice weather, but you know what's out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a couple more real good cold fronts going to hit us before long. I, I think your season ticket renewals have gone out. Any idea? Are you getting good response oh, back yeah. on those? Oh yeah, it it, it people. Um, know that it's about to happen. You've seen it. We talked about some coaching changes. We, we've seen a, a, our second straight top 25 recruiting class. We, we're seeing, starting to see the walk-on program produce and develop players. And uh, we've got a, a, a good, tough schedule next year. But, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be in a lot better position to – uh, face a schedule like that in Scott's third year. So all good. We're, we're moving it right. The, lots of uh, momentum on the new building. Uh, we're well over halfway there in, in raising the money. Uh, and and it's it, being talked about. It helped us so much in recruiting. It helps in attracting these coaches we just talked about. All good. Very good. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Sam down the floor with 2.43 to go. Sam. Great underneath pass. to Izzy Porter who scores off the dandy play by Sam Hybe and Izzy was all alone. Great run of the lane from end to end by Izzy Bourne. Our weekly look inside Husker women's basketball. Leaner in the lane, back rim, and the Huskers get it back. Kate Kane the rebound, Ashton Verbeek for three. You! Betcha! Ashton Verbeek with her third three of the game. Well, there's an answer for you from the freshman. With the head coach, Amy Williams. Hilliard gets it into Beverly. Green and roll. Take it away! Sam Hybe stole it! And Sam Hybe gets a timeout. Sam Hybe makes the play of the game in the corner where last year Wisconsin beat Nebraska. You betcha she stole that ball. Now here's your host, Matt Coatney. Welcome, everybody, to the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show with head coach Amy Williams. I'm Matt Coatney. We'll take your calls for the full hour, 866-HUSKER-1. We will preview uh, the upcoming game against Minnesota on Thursday night at the Barn in Minneapolis. We'll talk about that exciting win that you just heard highlights from uh, against Wisconsin on Saturday afternoon. And uh, we'll also visit with Sloan Martin from the Big Ten Network who had the call of our game the other day. Uh, I want to take a moment. 
I, I don't really feel like we would be doing justice as a basketball show unless we talked about the uh, the tragic events in Calabasas, California yesterday with Kobe Bryant and eight other people, including his daughter, perishing in a helicopter incident. And uh, I thought about this driving in here, and I was just telling Amy Williams before we came on that I was listening to the Minnesota radio broadcast coming in tonight because they just played, they lost Indiana, and uh, my colleague Corbu Status uh, asked Lindsey Whalen about that, and she had, had said that her team, uh, you know, wanted to talk about that yesterday. And I thought, uh, what was the Nebraska women's basketball players' reaction to? So, so Amy, have you guys talked about it? What 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 were the thoughts of the team? And you yeah. know, this had to have some kind of an impact on them. Well, it did. And and yesterday, kind of, um, we were all scattered. It was a day off for our team um, after. Uh, that road game at Wisconsin on Saturday, uh, we were off. And so everybody was kind of on their own when they um, heard that really tragic news. But I think it really impacted and affected our team. Um, there was a lot of chatter going on, the group um, chat and just very sad um uh, tones from that news and and you know yesterday I couldn't help but having um, just tears streaming down my face as I was yeah. um, watching all the news alerts and and listening to you know Doc Rivers and all, all the other NBA um, people that were touched by Kobe but um, just watching their reactions and and just the devastation from that type of um, of news but I think you know because of the fact that um, Kobe with his daughter Gianna um, was very visibly um, supportive of the college women's game the WNBA he was very active they were at a lot of games my daughters were at the final four with me last year and just um, enamored because there was Kobe Bryant down there watching you know um, front and center watching and supporting our game and so I think um, you know in a lot of senses you know today we talked about it as a team when we finally got back together and um, you know it was just a lot of emotion and and several of our players just you know visibly um, still kind of shaken by the way that's just um, you know that that tragic event has taken you know a, a basketball icon uh, and also somebody that was so supportive of, of our game. You know, I was in uh, Springfield, Missouri, my hometown yesterday. My best friend, Don West, got inducted in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, and we were at the pre-event when that news started trickling in. And um, I, I have to imagine everybody's going to remember where were you when you found out the news because I, from what I've gathered, everybody had about the same reaction. Is this a hoax? This can't be true. Um, and... You know, in, in my lifetime, you don't really realize how much of an impact someone's going to have on you until they're gone. And I'm glad you had what you, you had to say about Kobe's impact on women's basketball. Women's basketball has been a great deal to me. It's been great to me. I was around some people yesterday, men who were impacted by women's basketball. And it makes me very proud as a man to see somebody who is so revered in women's basketball, who is a man, who uh, is a role model, I think, for how men can support women's basketball, elevate it. And I think that's really what hit me yesterday, um, was somebody who was so iconic and so appreciated in the women's game. So I appreciate you um, you talking about what uh, what your team went through. 866-HUSKER-1 is the number. We'll have Coach Williams here for the full hour tonight. So... Back to uh, 
the game, heart-stopping game against Wisconsin on Saturday. As so many people I've talked to, um, you know, listened or watched that game, chicken soup for the soul. Because if you don't win that one, then it would have been uh, what four losses in the last five games. So uh, great to pick up a road win. And I've told so many people, if you win a game, one game in the Big Ten, pat yourself on the back. If you get a road win. It's almost like winning a game and a half. So you had to feel pretty good when that game was over, weren't you? Yeah, I did feel really good. I mean, we know how hard wins to co- are to come by in this league, and particularly this year where I just think there's more parity than there's probably ever been, and and um, and particularly to go on the road. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, we really felt like Wisconsin was um, much improved, even though we had just played them a couple of weeks um, before. Um, you just They were gaining steam and they had a, um, a very strong lead on Iowa, almost had Iowa beat and kind of just a heartbreaking loss there um, at home to Iowa. Uh, they had a great road win on the road, go to Minnesota, and we just talked about how hard it is to go on the road and get a win. I thought their team was playing with a lot of confidence, and we knew it was going to be a different team than what we played the first time around. And so uh, to sneak out of there with a win um, was was fabulous for our team right now. I think it proved to us a lot of things and, and showed a lot of toughness on our part. And I'm hoping that we'll really build on that and kind of understand what kinds of things are digging us into holes and, and how we can overcome that. Let's talk about that, your team being tough and digging holes. You're down 10 in the fourth quarter, and you guys came back from that. I know you got to be proud of your team for that, but how did they do that? At, at what kinds of things did they do differently to dig out of a hole of being down 10? Yeah, I mean, I think what happened was we, we were able to string together some defensive stops, and that allowed us to really kind of push tempo, and we got some easy baskets. Um, uh, we heard the call from the, the one from, you know, kind of a shovel pass where, you know, Izzy Bourne um, made a really good defensive play on one end and then sprinted the floor coast to coast, and Sam Founder on a real shovel pass that led to a nice easy bump off the glass layup. And, um, you know, those kinds of plays that, can come after defensive stops that um, really sparked us. I thought um, we had some aggressive play. Leah Brown was was um, really amazing, uh, getting herself to the basket, getting herself to the free throw line. We had a big play from you know Kate Kane and and one in that stretch, and then that huge three pointer from Ashton Verbeek. But it was just a lot of players making big plays down the stretch to kind of get us back into that game. I, I I'm glad you brought up the Izzy Bourne play. It was my favorite play of the game. And in the post-game interview, I, I asked Sam Hybe about it, and she started laughing. And she said, actually, we were just talking about it in the locker room because I originally didn't see Izzy. But Izzy yelled at me and got my attention, and, and it got me to think about communication. You know, so many times coaches talk about communication defensively, uh, calling out switches and uh, lots of other things that you have to talk about. But how important is communication on a fast break? I, that's something I hadn't thought about in a long time. Yeah, I mean, the communication is important all the time. And, right. and um, if you ask any coach, I bet they would say we could always use more of it. And, and in every aspect, I mean, we had uh, a mix-up a couple plays before that defensively where we had just kind of a miscommunication and one person switched and one person didn't switch and it led to a wide-open um, Julia 
Coach P. Shalova? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for the help there. Julie P. Uh, is, is Ju- fine on Ju- this broadcast. Julie P., JP, whatever they call yeah. her, um, she, she got a wide open three at the top of the key on a miscommunication. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just imperative. It shows kind of how important communication is throughout um, the game, both offensively and defensively. 866-HUSKER-1 is the number if you'd like to visit with Coach Williams tonight. I'm Matt Coatney. So you got down double digits to Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan in the second half. I hate to say it's a trend, but three straight games in which you're down double figures and rallied back to either win or take the lead late in the situation of Purdue, it's it's probably got to be, you know, like, what's the meaning of life? How do, how do you find consistency for 40 minutes? Because I'm sure – that's not your game plan is let's get down double figures and, and try and rally back. No, that's definitely not our yeah. game plan. I told the girls in the locker room that, you know, it'd be okay with me if we took a lead and tried to keep it for the whole game. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, the one thing I'm proud of though, is the, um, the fact that they continue to fight, you know, and, and that stick to and that continued, you know, um, uh, fight where, you know, we haven't, gotten down and just stayed down or crumbled yet and and that I like that um, characteristic about this team and and it shows um, some true character but um, I think we need to take a long hard look at what kinds of things are happening Um, you know we talk long and hard about playing 40 minutes and that includes getting off to good starts and not having lulls and spells throughout the game not just being able to finish strong at the end. The key play of the game, uh, there was a lot of plays of the game, but when we heard this one was Sam Hybe getting a steal uh, against Nia Beverly over in the corner. And, and my call of it, because it was right in my mind, was it was the same corner where Kelly Carlos threw in a miracle three somehow with 0.7 on the clock after an inbounds play. And I thought it was very ironic that that's the exact location where Sam kind of cinch the game for you with the steal and what was great for me was her anticipation of the pass and getting those high hands up there uh was there anything in the huddle that led her to believe what they were going to do or is that just an instinctive good defensive play it was just an instinctive good defensive play by um sam hybe um and the crazy thing is uh, a couple possessions right before that she had another very good instinctive play um, when Imani Lewis was catching and ripping on a left-hand drive from the high post, and Sam got in there and stole it. Um, that was another really, really big defensive play. But um, to be quite honest with you, uh, I really believe Wisconsin had something new drawn up that we had not seen before with a high screen for um, – Sid Hilliard to come off kind of almost a UCLA screen towards the basket. It's not something we had seen in film. It was something, you know, new that they had uh, drawn up for this particular game. And um, we got held up in that screen a little bit. Uh, I think Ashton was showing some help, but we could have been in a little bit of trouble if Sam hadn't gotten her hands up and made just a great defensive play right there. Well, she stole the ball and then, um, an inbounds play for Nebraska. She goes in the backcourt and uh, gets fouled. Uh, I, I want to talk about Ashton Verbeek uh, for a second because Jeff Grease and I were kind of talking during the third quarter trying to figure out what happened because the third quarter wasn't very good for Nebraska. And I suggested when Ashton got her third foul very early in the third quarter 
that that might have affected substitution patterns, might have affected defense, offensive rhythm. How much of an impact did Ashton being out of the game in the third quarter lead to Wisconsin having a really good third quarter? Well, I mean, I think uh, Ashton knows and understands that, um, you know, how important it is, is is for us to be able to keep her out of foul trouble and to be able to have her available. And so that was um, kind of a tough decision right there when she was in a little bit of foul trouble trying to protect her um, there late. I, I certainly thought that, you know, we had other players that came in and, and did some good things, but um, but I think Ashton was just in a rhythm and flow. We You know, we knew she was a threat from behind the arc. They definitely have to respect her after, you know, she hit two first quarter three-point shots, and that opened some things up and, and put some pressure on their defenses in different ways, and, I, and you know, so I think um, she's just such a valuable piece to what we do. Um, plus, she is... <laughs> competitive I mean yeah she's just very competitive she's a winner she wants to you know make things happen and she finds a way to do that 866 Husker one is the number and speaking of competitive and finding a way to win Imani Lewis hadn't attempted a three-pointer this year she's a left-handed mid-range jump shooter at the the best a low block kind of player and she attempted a three and made a three late in the game and it was one of those threes where you're like, well, that's an omen. You know, it's probably not going to be our day. And then Ashton Verbeek answers it with a loose ball rolled out to her and just no hesitation, stuck a three. I mean, that was – that's called making a play, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a big-time shot and just somebody that knows that she's been in the gym and put in the time and work and she's ready for that moment to, to step up and answer that shot. And, and I think, you know, sometimes um, – that type of a shot from a kid that has never made hasn't even attempted a three but drains one to take a one-point lead in that moment it can be very deflating and um but our our team didn't really let it be deflating they continued to fight and it was really good to see um ashton bounce back and be able to have an answer Greg Shire, Ben McLaughlin with you on a Monday night sports out here on the Husker Sports Network. No show tomorrow. Husker basketball, 6 o'clock tip-off at PBA as Nebraska takes on the Michigan Wolverines. And Ben, the head coach, met with the media after practice today to get us all set for the Michigan game. Obviously, uh, in the sport of round ball and on the hardwood, there's there's only one thing on everybody's minds yesterday and today, and that being the news of the passing of Kobe Bryant and appropriate that that was the first thing that coach Hoiberg was asked about today following practice yeah it's you know obviously it was a very tough day uh yesterday we kind of heard about it um you know it's when the kind of initial reports were starting to come out and a couple of the players after practice uh came into the lounge uh, outside the locker room uh, where we had food for the guys and uh, you know, just started talking about it. I don't know if anybody truly believed it at that point. It was so, um, you know, early uh, when I think it was TMZ came out and reported something. So, you know, as the details continued to come in, and you know, first thing I did is <clears throat> went upstairs and turned on the TV and just turned to all the different media outlets to see if it was indeed true. And then uh, when the reports came out that it that it that it, that it happened, uh, you know, it was extremely emotional. Um, you know, this is a guy, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up, you know, watching and idolizing, you know, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and as I got a little older, Michael Jordan. And, you know, I know Kobe had the same effect on our guys as those guys did on me, 
as a young player. And, you know, to compete against him, you know, he just, you could tell right away as he was a rookie uh, coming in uh, to the, you know, second biggest market in L.A. And, uh, you know, from the get-go, you knew he had it. And it just the way he competed uh, was the thing that stood out the most. Uh, you know, that you hear all the stories about behind the scenes, his work ethic, you know, being in the gym at 2 in the morning and, you know, taking a nap and getting back up the next morning and doing it all over again. Uh, you know, there's a reason, you know, he'll go down as one of the all-time great players. Uh, and a lot of it had to do because of his work ethic and his passion and his killer mentality. I mean, he just had that. You know, late in the game, give me the ball. I'm going to win the game for us. And, you know, the closest I saw, you know, I think Jordan's the greatest of all time. But the closest I saw to him just because of his mentality was Kobe. And, uh, you know, it is tough. I, you know, I t t told the story to Chris uh, yesterday. You know, one thing that will always stand out, I'll always remember, we had a back-to-back -back game. We played, I think, in Cleveland uh, the night before. And generally on back-to-backs, uh, you don't have a morning shoot-around. You meet at the arena. Uh, what we did is a 4:45, and we go out there for 20 minutes and go through the game plan. And you know, I'll never forget this. Kobe was out there with a ball boy uh, in a full lather, uh, getting a workout almost three hours before the game. And you just don't see that very much anymore with today's player. And you know, for him to be out there and uh, you know to kind of share a moment in an empty gym with him is something. That uh, you know that I'll never forget, and you know he just he leaves such a uh, lasting impression on the game. I mean, here's a guy that's probably got 20 games left in his career, and you know he's out there in an empty gym all by himself, um, working on his craft. And you know it's it's incredible, um, you know, to see that it was incredible to compete against him. <clears throat> um, you know, Western Conference Finals was. Uh, you know, one of the greatest memories I'll ever have. It was Kobe and Shaq and Carl Malone and Gary Payton. It was that team. And, you know, to be able to compete in that environment and, you know, the guy that they always went to at the end of the game, it was Kobe. You know, it was, it was his team. Pretty surreal listening to a guy that was in the thick of it and experienced him on a on a pretty personal level talk about it. And, and that's just the thing, Greg. You've seen so many people – uh, a lot of the players after the games yesterday and young or old, you know, young player, veteran, talk about the impact that they had on Kobe. There, there, there wasn't a single player that played yesterday and today in the NBA that hasn't been um, interacted with uh, and personal experience by him one way or another. Just just the way that he was was contagious. Yeah, that, that fire, that competitive spirit, that's certainly what I think most everybody talks about when they think of Kobe, who just had an amazing career, five NBA rings, and the Lakers are supposed to play the Clippers tomorrow night, Ben, and they've, they've already canceled that game. They don't I think it's too soon to go back out there. The, uh, the, city of, the entire city of Los Angeles is really smarting from, from this huge news that broke yesterday. How did Nebraska's team take the news? You mentioned Hanif Cheatham already. How did the team take it? Here, here's Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, it was it was you know pretty somber in that locker room uh, when I went in there and we we talked about it and I felt that we had to um, you know sit in there and, and just talk about his greatness and talk about uh, his passion talk about what you can learn from a guy uh, like that that had such a love uh, for the game and um, you know the thing that's just awful is uh, you know as a parent 
you know, to have your daughter on board and, you know, the, the other family uh, that was on board. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's awful to, to think about. And, you know, again, these, there's larger than life figures in this world. In the basketball world, he certainly uh, is a larger than life figure. And you just don't ever think that something like this could happen. And Greg, I think the, that this happened, you know, at a time with Nebraska basketball that, you know, Kent and I were talking about in the pregame show, you know, these guys compete. You have a lot of, you know, bad things happening during the year and you're not winning games. Well, this is a this is a prospective event right here. Um, you better believe both teams, everybody that plays in a basketball game, you know, this week and in the near future, they're going to put their heart and soul into every time that they lace up those shoes and, and go play basketball. So there's there's going to be maximum effort giving by the Huskers and the Wolverines tomorrow just because of this news. Yeah, and I, I've been asked a couple times today if Nebraska is going to do something special tomorrow night. I haven't heard. My guess is they will. I don't know what it will be, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think you can ho- host a game this week without doing something to honor a guy that's meant so much to the sport. Yeah, Miami Heat put both of his numbers on the with lights on the floor before the game, and you've seen multiple multiple NBA teams do the uh, shot clock violation, the eight second backcourt violation, and the twenty four second shot clock violation to honor the jersey numbers of Kobe Bryant. Well, there is a basketball game to pl- to be played tomorrow, and Coach Weyberg talked about what stood out when he watched Michigan on film. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, you know, one of the one of the top point guards, not only in the Big Ten but in the country, and, and Xavier Simpson, a great experience. Uh, Teske is a guy that they they go to on the block with a guy that size, with that type of skill set. You can step out and knock down the three. Uh, very versatile uh, player. Uh, you know, Livers. You know, sounds like he's pretty good chance that he's going to be back uh, tomorrow after uh, you know going down. I think about 15 minutes left of that game against Illinois the other day. But he is really, really good. Scores from all three areas on the floor. Uh, High-level finisher, athlete, shooting 50% from the three-point line, uh, and a guy that can post uh, as well. So you know, great size, great speed. Uh, they really get the ball up and down the court. Shoot a lot of transition threes. Uh, but we're going to have to do a good job protecting the paint. Well, that obviously was this morning before mm-hmm. the news that came down that Xavier Simpson will not play in the game tomorrow, one of the nation's leaders in assists, and that's a huge loss tomorrow for Michigan, a huge benefit for the Huskers to not have him serving a, at least a one-game suspension. Yeah, and we don't know the status of Livers. He he got he got came out of the game against Illinois on Saturday. He was back for the Illinois game. He went up hard for a dunk, came down hard. So I don't know what his status is. This is a smarting Michigan team that this would be the perfect time for Nebraska to jump all over these guys no question about it and we'll finish it up talking about Jawan Howard and if the relationship has been good between the two NBA former NBA players I do yeah I actually tried to hire Jawan when I uh, when I got the Bulls job but Miami wouldn't let me talk to him <laughs> yeah he's a great great person I you know I go all the way back to high school in AAU days when he was playing in Chicago um, you know, played the Fab Five, got absolutely got destroyed by them um, in the Palace. But yeah, he's an awesome guy, and you know, I know he'll do a great job at Michigan. Very good. Been, a, been tough times for Michigan, but they're a good team. Yeah, but minus maybe one, maybe we know for sure one, maybe two of their top guns for this game tomorrow night. Big opportunity for Nebraska. Six o'clock tip, five o'clock pregame coverage here on the Oscar Sports Network.